Welcome back to the Get Stark Podcast, folks. Today I have my good buddy Robert Sweeney with me. We're going to break down the final four, KU's unfortunate loss to Villanova, and then talk some Masters. Robert, how are we doing today? Well, we could definitely be doing better, and I don't know how much there is to break down about the final four. I, I would love to discuss with you, you know, um, the highlights if there were highlights, but, <laughs> but they're not. Uh, this that was um, besides like the opening bucket. A um, it felt like it felt like a uh, alpha male ha- gorilla having his way with um, with a underprepared um, mate. Uh, not even a mate. No, it wasn't even that. It what was a was different that? species. Yeah, a different species. I I don't know. It looked like a great white shark. Um, devouring a seal I don't know I'd love to stick keep it in the natural world because it didn't feel like um, a sporting event it really didn't Did, man. right uh, it was it was brutal it was brutal right from the get-go we were up 2-0 next thing you know it's 9-2 and from there on out there was no excitement on the KU side of things and and I gotta be honest I don't think Villanova is that much more talented than KU but on Saturday night, they were. They they hit all their shots. Their shots were wide open. We couldn't seem to get open looks. We didn't get to dominate in the post like I thought we would with Doak. And I'm just wondering, if, if Villanova and KU play 10 times, how many times does KU win? Three. Three. What do you think? That seems fair. I said four or five Saturday night, but I think after watching that game, I think three is a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that that game, too. The How many what do they win in 10? Um it, the the stage couldn't have been bigger um so if and and uh and everybody w- had enough preparation time understood the hype they understood what was at stake and so yeah if you play that game of 10 times you got to make sure you bring in all of those variables in this little thought experiment and that brings up coaching um, that brings up uh, the culture, mm-hmm. um, which which we don't have the time today to talk about the Kansas culture, but it which doesn't which deserves um, to be to be uh, you know encased in gold. I mean, I, I there do, it doesn't it doesn't get any better than Kansas basketball culture. But Bill and um, our basketball team they got over that hump. The, the hump that seemed to limit them when it mm-hmm. comes to, you know, w- the past several years. And, and that's what it felt like. It felt like a team who had won the title and cut down the net they wanted to last week in Omaha. I, so so what, what, what did you see? Did you see a team that was, was ready? I think that's a great point. Um, they seemed to be lackluster lacking energy there there was something missing Saturday night but I agree in that you know December Bill talked about how this is the softest team he's ever had at Kansas and 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 we were fearing the fact that we wouldn't win our 14th straight Big 12 regular season title and and this team persevered they were resilient typically throughout the season we had six maybe seven guys playing legitimate minutes these guys are worn down, but they got two titles. They cut down the nets uh, for the Final Four after beating Duke, which, like you said earlier, kind of felt like the championship for this year's team. And it's 
awfully unfortunate we're not going to see them play tonight against Michigan, but I think this season is such a huge victory for, for the fan base, for the university, for Bill, and especially for Devontae and Svi as they kind of end their career. Not on a high note with such a disappointing loss to Villanova, but just a really proud season. Yeah. And all of these 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 big time sporting events with with and this is how I experience KU basketball. I mean, it is truly a gift to get to um, participate as a with with no, nothing real at stake for me. But it is a, it is truly a gift to get to go to Allen Fieldhouse and then go to Kansas City for the tournament and then we average a two seed over the last eight years, ten years. You know, like so so we get to sit back and we get to enjoy excellence without you and I putting any effort in. So I always look at it like what was what was I doing during the game? And I would love to know what you were doing, but I'll just tell you. I was at Louise's West, which is a cash only bar in Lawrence, and um got there at three o'clock. Um <laughs> It the it was a little chilly outside, but it was enough to be outside inside. We were wa- we watched people come and go. We had three, you know, there was ten of us there. We played darts. We watched the first game. We ordered pizza um, from Pyramid Pizza. Yeah, they delivered it to us at the bar. Amazing. And um and and then you know by the time the game was on, by the time when when during tip, shoulder to shoulder in this dive bar. Like I look at that and I just I know we didn't win, but like that's worth something, right? Absolutely. So like what was your experience like? What was your what was the atmosphere where you watched the game? That's an amazing experience, an amazing memory. Uh so I was at Lawrence Beer Company. There was a maybe a group of ten of us. We kinda had some rotating in and out. Um Overall, I would say the energy in there was nothing compared to the Duke game, which I also got to watch at LBC. But like you said, we're we're not contributing anything outside of the fact that we go and we spend dollars and we support the team in that regard, which which is a big part of the sporting experience, but we're not putting in the blood, the sweat, the tears, the hours of studying film, the practice, the weights, studying academically, all that stuff. And something that really bothered me was a lady who was sitting at a table near us at the end of the game. Devontae got pulled out of the game, really emotional moment as his career ends and he hugs Bill Self and uh, you see that he begins to shed some tears and and she's like, it's just a game. Why would you cry? And she's just berating him. And I'm like thinking, you know, had KU won this game, this lady would likely be in tears out of joy. And and she was spending the whole game just like yelling at the TV. And it's just crazy to see how emotionally identified fans get and how our well-being can be so attached to these 19 and 20-year-old dudes who, uh, let's be honest, they, they don't care about us, and and rightfully so. You know, they're they're just doing their thing. They're trying to get paid. They're trying to make it to the league. They want to win. They want to bring a championship uh, back to Lawrence. But uh, I just think people are are so selfish, naive, and uh, just overall ridiculous in in the way that they treat and view athletes. Yeah, um, this the college basketball is about the coach. Like, like the coach is, is the key. A culture is defined by their coach. No sport puts more emphasis on the quality of a coach than college basketball. So this really becomes, when we think about KU basketball in its current state, it becomes a reflection of Bill Self. The players are just reflections of Bill Self's ability to go recruit, develop, prepare, 
these players, these these young men. I mean, they're all 18, 19, 20. You know, they're young. Mm-hmm. And w- so we have to put that into perspective, and we have to give those guys a pass at, 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 when they fall short. Bill, um, I don't know. I mean, w- I mean, he's got one one title. He's got three Final Fours. He's got just heaps and heaps of conference titles, and and that and and then he's got, I think, the best culture in in basketball. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I think when it comes to just branding alone, I think that Kansas basketball is, it, I think it's the best brand. And I know there's, I know there's Duke and UNC and you you know, and there's Villanova and. Um, and and you can go on. There, there's a couple more, but you don't go any. You don't go beyond those those teams um, when it comes to the best brand in basketball. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond because we lose lose these seniors, these three. You know, these two seniors. We're going to lose a couple more, and we'll be fully reloaded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that'll be a different podcast. I will say that um, I don't know if I'll be watching another game that's this. <clears throat> as this high magnitude at Louise's West, I watched the Duke game alone <laughs> at home with a golf club in my hands because that's the only way I can channel my aggression and my anxiety. Yes, um, I ended up, yeah, pulling a muscle in my forearm. That's I was right. swinging so intensely, but I think that made a difference, honestly, Derek. I think that I, I think I, I think I had a lot to do with the will and the guts <laughs> of that of that win, and I think that. That eating pizza at Louise's West probably had an impact on on the game as well, but you know that's 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 my own. Um, that's one theory. That's one okay. theory that's out there. Well, yeah. hey, I, I love that you. Uh, yeah, that you was helped my segue. segue. Yeah, exactly. We we had a little transition into the the core of what this podcast is going to be, and and that's previewing what I believe to be one of the most anticipated Masters tournaments, potentially of all time, definitely in my lifetime. Uh, there is just uh, a dozen players who who have a legitimate shot at winning this. We've got some guys whose names you haven't heard in in a couple of years, and and then the guys who who we've heard a lot of. and And I'm just looking forward to to talking about the Masters with you. and uh, And how about to begin? Just like, how did you get into golf? Because you are, I mean, you are more or less a golf pro. You're an incredible player. You had aspirations of being on the tour. Mm-mm. You still might be on the senior tour on. at some point. Maybe the senior tour. I try to keep. I'm. I'm no. <laughs> no. There are going to be people who are listening to this. I will be sending this to family and friends, and I certainly do not want them to cringe at the idea of me aspiring to be on the tour. I want to be as good a golfer as I can be. I think that I think I can be a scratch golfer. I. I mean. I mean. But. But just so you know, to go from like a twenty handicap to a scratch, <laughs> uh, which is I probably began, you know, at some point when I really got into it at about a, a tw- certainly a twenty. Yeah, right? that sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, trending downwards, and to go from a twenty to a scratch is the same like gap as going from scratch to pro quality. So mm. though that that <clears throat> I want to be as good as I can be. Yeah, I really love the sport. I love the sport. I love the activity for the way it is a reflection of 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 your character, your state of mind, your belief in yourself. So there's like that that inner part 
the part inside yourself about how it, it is a reflection. Um, and then there's the way that golf, the activity and the experience becomes a, a like a point of triangulation mm. for other people. in Because it's it really it's all about your relationships yeah. and finding an excuse to spend time with the people you care, care about. And so golf is for me the convenient excuse to spend time with people who I, who I want to know better. I mean, where else are you going to spend five hours with somebody? Um, or, or in the people that I already love. And, and that's what I tell. I, I, so I uh, was the program director for the first tee in, in Kansas City. Yeah. Bef- and then um, before that, I was just a pro shop jockey at Swope Memorial, which is, and before that, I was um, just a guy who would bump his way down a, a fair, you know, down a fairway and just hack it up. So I, so so I have treated golf um, as an activity to 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 you know an activity, a, a way to be active, to be outside, mm-hmm. to connect with nature, to. Um, you know, it's better than sitting around playing a video game, right? That's, that's for sure. It's yeah. multifaceted, and I love that you brought in the nature component, the exercise component, the social component, the relational component. I mean, when I think back to my youth, uh, my dad worked a lot, and I didn't get to spend a ton of time with him. Um, but our quality time was almost always on the golf course. And we, I would wake up. I mean, I'm not a morning person. I'd wake up at 5 or 6 o'clock to golf a quick round with my dad before he went to work because – that was that was the time we had together and and it was so much fun and even if we didn't play well we still were were out there walking around and listening to the birds and seeing deer and and hitting a good shot and and the same goes with for my grandpa i remember every thursday morning i'd go out with him and he'd play with the old geezers they called it geezer golf and and then he brought along his his 10-year-old grandson and um just learned a lot about the sport but more so like you said i learned a lot about myself and and some issues that I had with temper and still still deal with with temper um, and patience and and vision and and all sorts of different dynamics that go into the golf experience and it really does reveal a lot um, and it's also a great time for introspection right there's there's nothing better than some days just grabbing your clubs and going out and walking and for three four hours and, and yeah, swinging it, the clubs it, it, cl- it clears and cleanses the mind and the body and um, and it's and it's again um, a perfect reflection of how you are interacting with the world. <clears throat> For instance, so I heard I heard an interesting thing about John Rahm, who's one of the he is, if not you know the um, m- the most promising young talent. I would put you know because he hasn't won a major yet. So, yeah. but he will at one point win a major. And I think if you talk to you know the tour uh, experts, people who are really studying everybody, they will say he will be world number one. It's not a matter of if, it's just when. So John Rahm is a, he's a Spaniard who went to Arizona State, and he's winning everywhere, everywhere. Wow. And he's got incredible game. But you know what's interesting? I heard this. I think it was during the WGC, or maybe it was the week before. Uh, one of the commentators said that Rahm doesn't really practice a lot. The way that he... <clears throat> the way that he keeps his game fine-tuned is by working on his relationships with his family and his friends. Mm. It's I was shocked to hear that, but like he is all about how he conducts himself off of the course. 
and how he shows himself to be of service to the other people in his life. I, I, I don't know. To me, that, that kind of shocked me because he looks like the kind of guy who's grinding it out mm-hmm. hours and hours at the range. But apparently, he does his work, he gets it in, and then he spends tons of time on charity work, on, on, on being there for his family, being there for his friends. Because, you know, it's, it's probably a grind. I mean, these guys have been traveling everywhere. And, um, and, and you think about golf being this really selfish, self-centered activity. And I'm sure most tour players, they are they have the, the 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 cognitive wiring, you know, to be myopic mm-hmm. in 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 where they're going, and uh, that maybe is one reason they are so good is that they are able to just focus on self improvement. But but uh, you'll you can test for yourself. Go, you know, go out there and um, and have your life in disarray. A bunch of emails in your, but uh, in your inbox, and your house is a mess, and your car is a mess, and your relation—you haven't talked to your parents in a while, and all these things—and then go clean it up, and then go play, and see if a clear mind, uh, you know, the spaciousness to go out there and 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 to focus, see if see if you play better. Mm, I, I, I'm willing to say experiment. you will. Yeah, I love it, man. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so yeah, let's let's get back to the masters. The because, masters, man. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean the the experience of the masters for me. I mean, how how many minutes are we into this thing when we finally get to the masters? We got plenty of time. Okay. I think we're probably seventeen minutes in. Okay. All right. So the masters. Um, it's interesting because the masters just uploaded. Did I tell you this? No. The masters just uploaded all of the CBS televised final rounds onto YouTube. Okay, that's nuts. So they <laughs> so they've got hours and hours of content. And when I found out about this, the first thing I did was um, I went back in my mind and I thought about my first experience, my first memory of the Masters. And I'm 34, so I was um, I thought, all right, I have this memory of my of being at my grandparents' house. And they were the ones who took me out to play when I was probably six, seven, you know, at, at Hillcrest Country Club, uh, this beautiful Donald Ross design course. But I remember sitting in their bedroom and, and watching the Masters. I couldn't remember what year it was, but um, I remember seeing Jack and knowing that Jack Nicholas was was in the tournament. So I went back and I started, I started like watching some of the tournaments. And I and I the first one I went on was 1990. Okay, and I don't. I, I, this may have been when, you know, the, the memory, but it, but when I started watching it and I started seeing the images, like it brought back all, like almost like a, a sensation in my body of sitting in their, in their bedroom, watching golf and, and feeling like I was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that, I think that the Masters is a unique, experience time of the year um the way the way that cbs captures it it i don't know what kind of you know right television rights package they have with the masters but it they 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 do it right there's nobody nobody else should ever do it except for you know jim nance and the master and and the cbs that the 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 audio of it coming in and um and the way that they just they just start 
giving it to you. They start like just delivering this, 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 um, this experience of being at Augusta National. And absolutely, man. And I think what what I get from that is is nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is one hell of a drug, and any any sort of experience or uh, memory that is able to transport us to another time and, and garner those sentimental emotions for for those times, especially once you've lost somebody or when you have a memory with somebody who maybe you're no longer with or they're far away, uh, that that's something that you can't put a price tag on it. And that is exactly what the Masters stands for. Like, it's it's Sunday afternoon sitting around with, with your family watching Tiger in his red polo trying to win his third or fourth green jacket right like the masters is it just represents so much and and it's it's different and unique for everybody really yeah yeah and um my uncle who's an, a fellow you know golf enthusiast um he when he talks about the masters he talks about his father-in-law who who passed away last year and um who i i also con- considered one of the finest men I ever I, I ever knew I mean Ed Scanlon I used to like I, I just wanted to sit near him because the the man was of such high exceptional quality like it was it, it was you know and and when Matt, and when John talks about him my uncle John you know it all it comes back to those experiences being before he was married to his wife they would like they they would go to John would be at their house on you know on Saturday or Sunday, and they would just watch the five hour broadcast mm-hmm. of the Masters. And so, again, it's just this point of triangulation for other people, and 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 I think that's what makes the Masters um, really unique. I mean, I mean the U.S. Open has some cool qualities. It's Father's Day, yep. you know, that's a big deal, right? So we'll, we'll put the U.S. Open in that kind of cultural context. The British Open, we especially here in Kansas City or you know in the area, we got Tom Watson. We know what's so cool about the British Open. You get to wake up, you get to have breakfast and watch the final round. Like mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, but but there's nothing. Usually it's not 27 degrees out like it is now. No kidding. Usually it's you know mid 60s. You go out and you play. You you know you go out and you you you, you pretend like the course you're playing is like. The perfectly manicured Augusta <laughs> National. Uh, so, I'm actually going to the Masters yes, you on are. Tuesday. So today's Monday. Tomorrow I'll be flying out to go to the Wednesday par three, and I am. I would love to be going to all four days, but hey, I, I, beggars can't be choosers. I'm good with Wednesday. It's gonna be great. It's the par three tournament. It's practice rounds. But all I really want to do is I want to. Um, I want to walk the course. There are 50 different shots that I've got in my mind that players have made, and I want to go to you know walk and go stand at these different points and 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 see the shot. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, like like I want to go to Amen Corner and you know and really spend some time picturing how. So do you know this? Do you know why who who named it Amen Corner? Do you know the story of Amen Corner? No, uh, tell us. Okay, yeah, I'd love to. This is just one little tidbit. The golf journalist Herbert Warren Wynn. You familiar with him? No. No. Okay. Herbert Warren Wynn 
was uh, the he is the preeminent golf writer of the 20th century. Okay, nobody put forth more more content in golf in a more poetic way. Mm. He was actually known to be a pretty slow worker. He would labor over a sentence, kind of like we labor over a four foot putt for mm. like for hours and hours because he was he was just meticulous in, in how in his craft. Yeah. And he was the golf writer. He wrote for the New Yorker and probably Esquire and I mean I mean he's got anthologies of his work. But um, he um, came up with Amen Corner because and, and just to be clear, Amen Corner starts with the second shot on eleven. Okay. Okay. So it's not the tee shot at eleven. It's the second shot. And have you? I mean, have you seen eleven? You familiar with uh, the eleven? Is like this beast of a par four. Okay. Okay. Tough, tight drive. I want to say it's like a five hundred yard. Yeah, par- I know what you're talking. You know, sure. it's five hundred plus. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a par four. And invariably, on on Sunday. Like, you know that the, the, the that every shot matters, but like what you're coming into, are uh, is a, is a segment of the course where the the green jacket is won or lost. Mm-hmm. So that second that tee shot on eleven is critical, right? But that second shot, you're coming into a green that's got water on the left, right? And it's and 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 the tee is probably going to be maybe back left, and you're and so you're going to have to make. Like a big time, unless you're, you know, Dustin or, I don't know, the, like any of the long drivers are going to be able to get a short iron in. But like, yeah. but um, it's the second shot in, and then it's the par three twelfth, and then it's the tee shot. I think technically, Amen Corner is the tee shot on thirteen. Okay, thirteen being that long dog leg left par five. Right, right, the one that that Sergio hit the hit uh, saved. But it's, last year he like saved the turn his tournament. Yeah, he by, did. He was in eagle or birdie. Yeah, I think he eagled it. Yeah, a couple birdies and eagle. Yeah, so uh, that's so so that'll be fun to walk to to just be there. Um, and then you know to keep moving, get to um, get get to fifteen, the other par five, on to uh, sixteen, the 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 um, the par three over the water. And then and then close, you know, just finish it off by by. I I really want to see eighteen too because some everybody mm-hmm. said, who's been at, at um, the Masters and walked walked Augusta says that eighteen is so much like such a uh, more more prominent uphill hole like it, it's it's a significant rise. Um, so just to be at the Masters. Um, to walk Augusta National is is going to be incredible. That's uh, a bucket list item. I would say for any, not even uh, golf fan, but sports fan like that. That's just something that you would have to do. And and then when you do it, envision caddying for four straight days and walking this course. And I mean, th- these caddies aren't twenty five years old. A lot of them are fifty, sixty years old. Like that. That is a chore. Um, and for the ones who who maybe don't make much in regards to um, payouts. Uh, that's that's a lot of work for a little dough. Well, you know, I'll, if anybody wants me to carry their bag, I'm I, I'd be happy to. I'm all in. I'll You're do in? it for free. I'll yeah. pay them exactly. to walk yeah. and carry their bag. Yeah, I don't care if I die of ex- exhaustion. I will, I will be right there. Put put me in the white suit, 
white jumpsuit, green hat. I'll do it. Yeah, I don't absolutely. care. Yeah. So is this your first time at Augusta National, or have oh, you yeah. been there? This will no. be the first time. Yeah, I've never. I've I haven't even been remotely close. Wow. Yeah. So that's wild. So Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Do we know what the forecast is for for the tournament this weekend? It's been it's been literally perfect in and around the Augusta area, and it falls apart on like Tuesday. Oh man. Yeah. So that there's another variable. We'll see. What what do you think what's something that's going to win this tournament? Is it like is it going to be 10, 12, 14 under par or are we talking like 3, 4, 5 under? Yeah, I, in my mind I've got um I've got like a I got 8 under okay. as as the winner. I think I yeah. think 280. I think I think I'll just tell you my I, I've got Justin Rose as the favorite. Mm. I've been that's because I've been going back and rewatching these masters on YouTube and he has been in contention. I mean, he was in the playoff with with Sergio last yeah. year. Every single year he's there. He, I don't think he's won it yet. No, he's not. And he won the US Open at Marion, um but but Justin Rose, I think has got the he's clearly got the game. I think it, it always comes down to putting. Who who's going? Who's going to make the, the the most birdies? I mean, if you want, go rewatch 2015 when when uh, Justin or when Jordan won it. Yeah. When Spieth won it, I think he he had twenty <clears throat> he had twenty six or twenty seven birdies, which was it broke the record for most birdies in in the tournament, and you you know that just means that he was pouring in. 15 20 foot putts he was he was destroying the par fives but the course is set up for from this is what i've heard the course is set up the reason over the last 15 years there've been so many left-handed winners you know mike weir lefty phil mickelson and then bubba mm-hmm. is because what I've heard is that the course really sets up for lefty cut shots. That's just, I think that's just like, I'll kind of have to come back and report as whether I think that's true or not. Yeah. But Bubba, who is the most gifted worker of the ball, he can, he can go left, he can go right. He can, we know, we all know what he did in 2010. That shot. The shot off the pine straw. So, um, and his, and his game is, in is in it seems to be in working order. He's winning. Mm-hmm. Won won the WGC match play. Won in Riviera. Yeah, he's won twice since Valentine's Day. Yeah. So yeah. what you're telling me is I got to get on the tour for next year if this course. Yeah, is yeah, set you're up for lefty. lefty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, yes. It's my time. Yeah, it it sets up perfect for you. <laughs> Go out there. Problem is though, um, a different. I, I would say that if if. Augusta was what it was originally supposed, what Bobby Jones wanted it to be, which was in the rotation for the U.S. Open. That did not happen. He was, uh, he was extremely disappointed in U- in the USGA's rigidity in that. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Listen, all right, you don't want this beautiful course that I'm designing to to be in the rotation, to be even considered. All right, I'm going to set up my own tournament. I'm going to set up my own Invitational." So, you're gonna have to get to work. You're gonna have to win on tour. You're gonna have to. Oh, you could win an amateur. There we you go. Can do it. Okay. Yeah. Just 
Get get grinding. Okay, we're, we'll we'll start today. And I actually I love that that is a signature component because it's not a championship. Mm. Like let's establish that the the Masters is not the PGA Championship. Right. It's not the U.S. Open. It's it is an invitational. It's an invitation. It's one of the four. Oh, it's a major. Uh, majors. Absolutely, it's a yeah. major. But it's not a champion. You you don't win it. Anything. You're not winning a championship. You're winning a green jacket. Mm. So you and I, in theory, could say, God, like let's set up our own. We got we got a tournament. We want to we want to host. We, well, first of all, we'd have to build a course on you know an old, um, the the largest nursery in the South at the time. So they bought the land. It was a nursery. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it it was. It had been it had been um, seeded for for aesthetic perfection for many years before. Correct. So I think it was 1934 is when. Yeah. Was that the first one? I think so. So yeah. Anyway, um, uh, you and I could could start hosting a tournament. Be like, well, at the online, we're gonna, you know, the winner gets, I don't know, a belt buckle or something, <laughs> some some totally arbitrary. But then, I mean, a green jacket, like. Where did they even come from? Where did they come that? from? But now it's amazingly prestigious. Just, yeah. I mean. Yeah, you win the Masters. You're set for life. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to golf again. You get to go to, way. here's what you get. You get to go to all, you get to play in the Masters for the rest of your playing career. Um, and then you get uh, an invite to the dinner, mm-hmm. right? The champion. I think it's called the. I think it's called the winners. Then I don't. The wanna... winners. Dinner. And you get to choose you, the, the, the the entree. The, yeah, the previous year's winner gets to choose the entree. Yeah. Um, what do you think about when you think about that? What would you make? What would, I, what, I'd probably what do would some choose? sort of filet mignon with lobster. Uh, uh, surf and turf. Yeah. 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 Surf and turf would be. Yeah. That'd be the way I'd go. Plenty yeah. of wine. Lots of wine. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be a party. But. Yeah. So yeah, so so as far as the 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 favorites, I've got Justin Rose, but but I doesn't make um it doesn't surprise me at all if Bubba is um is right there at the end coming down the home stretch on Sunday, um either tied or in the lead. Absolutely. But close. Some of the other guys who can obviously do it. Here's another thing. I'm going to come back to the tour, to the actual state of the tour cuz you're right. This is a highly anticipated event because the tour is in such great shape. I mean, I will let you take the first swipe at at Tiger's playing condition cuz in that that but I will just say like you want you want to compare the tour now to 10 years ago, go watch the 2007 Masters when Zach Johnson won it. Mm. I mean, hey, he won it, but if you look at the leaderboard like there was no star power. None, none of these young guys had, had – there was there was talent. I mean, Tiger was Tiger. But Tiger has, you know, had that ability to, um, like, drain all the, all the focus from other places and, and siphon it off all to him. And he was actually in contention that day. Um, yeah. He put it in the water, I think, on 15. Mm. But, but – the the, core, the 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 tour right now is in the is in a better state and it's been trending up for years. I mean, you look at 15 when when Spieth won, 
you look at um, um, you just look at who's in the top ten right now. These guys are all world class athletes, exceptional physical specimens, and they can also uh, and 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 they're it's compelling. You know, like it's just it's like when you watched um, when you were watching the previous generation that that there was a gap um, in the talent. Like you were kind of like, what? What's the, where's the draw? Mm-hmm. What's exciting about, about, you know, the, ter- the the tour without Tiger? Yeah, exactly. There's so much parity right now, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. And and the talent is young too, right? We got Spieth and and DJ and Justin Thomas, and you mentioned Jason Justin, Day. Jason Day, Justin Thomas is, um, you know, he's he's one of the top players and in the world and Justin Rose who you mentioned might be the most undervalued or overlooked golfers on the tour as well as Adam Scott I mean these are guys that you just don't hear as much about Rory McIlroy um Phil Mickelson's won his first tournament in five years we've got Tiger back and I mean I think it all does go back to Tiger right without Tiger golf is still in great shape maybe sitting at like a B plus an A minus if we want to go to a grade scale with Tiger I mean it, it it's about as good as it's going to get. And it's just kind of crazy to think that uh, less than a year ago, this guy was having spinal fusion surgery. He's in rehab for uh, substance abuse with, with prescription pain medications. And, and now he's draining 72 foot putts and um, you know, I, and he's the favorite, he's the Vegas favorite 10 to one odds. Oh, you're to, kidding to win the masters. I think him, huh. Spieth and, uh, might be Thomas or probably, Justin DJ, probably. yeah, Justin Thomas, and, and maybe DJ. I, don't, I mean, that's the thing is, Tiger was back in the day. He was what, like he was, he he was the favorite by a long shot. I mean, you, you know, every time, every time, like like so. And what's interesting is, um, it's funny to hear players talk about Tiger now, and hear their commentary on him. Everybody celebrates his return. What was once kind of, you know, he was he was sort of this isolated, alienated kind of tour pariah. I mean, he was the best player, but like, it was really hard to to for players to feel comfortable and to feel like they were they they knew Tiger. Tiger had, you know, he just he just was a killer, you know, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to win, and he was he he he, uh, he wasn't interested in. In, in helping other people and, and, and in, you know, kind of showing some cordiality, you know, yeah, with with other players. But now the purses are what they are. The purses are huge. He he did that work where he got everybody to where if you went on tour, you're set. For life. For life, yeah. But, and so now he's back, and I think his demeanor is terrific. I think that his... Um, I think he's got the right mindset. It looks like his his personal life is in order. So, and his back looks strong. I mean, all again, all the commentators. So this is like secondhand, but like his, his he's hitting all the shots he needs to hit. So he can, he can win it. Do you, do you, what do you think? I think so for sure. And I, and I agree. He's transformed, and he needed to transform because uh, from where he was at, he was in a state, and his. Previous actions kind of dictated the fact that 
like we're, he's not going to be accepted if he's going to continue down that path. And uh, and he needed to sort things out more than for the outside world, but for himself and for Tiger, because you don't want to see one of the best athletes of all time to to go down um, in the way that he kind of was. So I think this is potentially one of the sweetest comeback stories uh, in sports history. You know, Michael came back, but Mike wasn't Mike. Um, Tigers come the, back the, and the second time he came back that well, the 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 Washington Wizards yeah, comeback. Okay. the other the other okay. comeback he was still like what 26 or 28 or something like oh, that Oh no I think he was over 30 when he, he came back yeah and and he certainly was still Yeah he, he was MJ yeah, when he, he was still promptly won always three straight yeah. another three peat but but yeah uh can nobody thought Tiger could could catch Jack and I mean it it probably is still a long shot he's got to win five more to to beat Jack mm. you know but if he wins one, if he wins this week, I think he can do it. He certainly can do it. Yeah. Then it's time to start talking again. Because if he stays healthy, he's he he's just got to get his he's got to get the putter going. Um, he's he's always gonna be he's gonna he's gonna be a little loose with his driver. I mean, he just he's never been when he wins, he wins with his putter and his driver everything else is you know a1 yeah so so we'll we'll just see i mean that's 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 the beautiful thing is is you never really know who would have thought danny willett would have won in 2016 yeah. I haven't heard his name since but right but he right. got the he got the dub he got the dub and and that was when jordan melted down on 16 i know yeah that was tough all right so tell me your number one uh master's memory number one master's memory um Mm. I and I wouldn't even know necessarily the year, maybe two thousand six, maybe two thousand seven, uh, but it would just be so that's early high school for me, and just sitting around on a Sunday after church, watching with my dad and my grandpa, um, and just seeing Tiger, Tiger seal it with the putt and just with the, with the fist pump and uh, you know seeing him get crowned. Uh, it probably the, was two thousand six. Yeah, I, think yeah, I mean it was. he 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 won. So he's won. He won in um, in '97. Yeah, um, he's got four. He's got four. Phil's got three. Phil's got three. So Phil can tie it up, and Phil can play. He's Phil, feeling good. Yeah, Phil. I watched the 1995 Masters. This is the one that Ben Crenshaw won, and it, it was it was notable because Harvey Pinnock, who wrote the Little Red Book, yep. had died that week, and and he taught Ben Crenshaw. Wow. Yeah. So so. And Ben Crenshaw had won in '84. Okay. Okay. So 11 years had passed. Panic died that like the week before the Masters, and then Ben Crenshaw went out and um, and he won the Masters. But guess who was right there on the leaderboard, first page? Phil. Phil Mickelson. That was 22 years ago. 23 years ago. He's still. Name another sport where a person can be at the top of their craft for two and a half decades. It doesn't happen. No. So 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 and Phil's Phil Phil knows the course and and his he's won that he won this year so um, so yeah Phil Phil will will be on the first two pages let's say that without a doubt he'll be under par I yeah. think Phil's going to be under par yeah so where were you when Tiger chipped in to beat Demarco we were uh, we were just in my living room oh really yeah and uh, nice and I guess that just kind of shows how. I uh, appreciate simplicity because I mean it's not like we were out somewhere watching, um, 
we maybe played golf earlier in the day. Yeah. But I mean, that's just one of my earliest memories. And oh, that's cool. kind of when I started to understand the gravitas of what the Masters represented in, in right. professional golf. Because a lot of people talk about how, like, if they want a nap on a Sunday, they watch golf. But I mean, this is when I got to the point where, I mean, I would I'd look forward to on Sunday afternoons tuning in and, and watching the end. And, and regardless of who was competing for the championship, you know, that's just a. It's just it's just a fun thing to look forward to all week, or arguably start the week off with. Yeah, it it, it truly is a a, a gift. To, and what's cool is the Masters. The way they set it up is they they require or they, um, yeah, they require they restrict commercial breaks to four minutes total per hour. Mm. So when you watch the Masters, you're getting all of this content, and um, and and. And so you, it doesn't feel watered down by sponsorships and brands. I think IBM is like the only sponsor, right? Wow. Nobody else does. And if you and 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 they so because of the Masters, that that ability to limit the diluting of the brand and keep it so pure. I mean, I'm. I mean, golf can is already like can be pretty conservative mm -hmm. uh, and that that can be uncomfortable for some people and maybe you know whatever but I, I happen to celebrate their ability to hold it and preserve it for what it is so when you're there you know no cell phones this is what i've heard i love it no cell phones are prohibited um your hat you know your hat can't be backwards you the the concessions, everybody talks about how cheap the food is. Have you heard about this? Yeah, like dollar beer still. Yeah, dollar beers, that's dangerous. <laughs> and so so it's like in the back of my mind, I think about I think about an organization that really wants to honor um they want to honor their own tradition. And they 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 want to uh to uh resist the tendency for change and we live in a world where 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 we're quick to change where, where things are are changing so quickly and that might be one of the things that makes the masters so unique is it is it what what else is is um, allowed is it has a has a license to not change that's a great point yeah we live in this hyper real world where it is ever changing ever evolving and and it feels hard to keep up sometimes and almost as if sometimes we're unwilling to keep up because it's exhausting. But it, it is fun to have things like the Masters where you, you know what you're going to get. And um, it can kind of be a reflection of the past and, and as we've already alluded to, just a sense of nostalgia. Um, but also just a, a great opportunity to appreciate uh, the simple game of golf and, and spend quality time with people and uh, see see these guys just kind of break out and make a name for themselves in a lot of circumstances. Right. Yeah. And so I would like to just say that while um, as a as a golf devotee and an enthusiast, like I really want to, I, I really want to, you know, uh, do my best to promote watching the Masters and watch it with people that you care about because it's it's that it becomes this again just like this this node to hit to hitch yourself to that other people can tap into as well that being said go out and play mm -hmm. like when the masters is done 
you know, assuming it's not 27 degrees out like it is now, go play. And I think that's what the 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 um, the real ambassadors of the sport should. You always hear that com that common thread. Like, and I'm sorry, like going and playing is not going out to top golf and hitting a bunch of shots. I know that's a good time, but like, go to go to your local municipal course, go to, you know, go to a, a wherever, and um, and. Get a get a group of three other people together, and go spend some quality time, you know, with with one another, and let that be the excuse to um, to connect, to connect with people. That's that's what I tell the kids when I when I coach them, and I tell the parents too. Like, like we are we are just using golf. Golf is the the vehicle to create an opportunity to connect. And I know that that might sound like. Um, an, an evangelist like trying to sell something but but I don't I can't think of I can't think of a better activity um, that 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 does that so well that I think is just a beautiful way to wrap up this podcast Robert it's been a pleasure having you on my man thank you sir thanks for joining yeah. Robert will be back on we uh, we really can talk most anything Robert's a wealth of knowledge he knows anything from um, the history of stoicism, religions, philosophers, golf, basketball, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, mindsets, relationships, you name it. Robert knows it. Uh, lucky to have him on. Robert, uh, can people find you online, social media, anything like that? N- not yet. No, only through <laughs> you. I mean, I, no. Okay. I, I, no, I, I prefer – you can call me. <laughs> you would like me to put my no, – yeah, I'll, I'll – uh, you can text me. All right. Yeah. So All right. If, play, you can find me at the course too. You yeah. want, if you want to play, let me know. Robert's always on the course. We we work together out at Twin Oaks with a KU class here, and uh, he he also gets around, and plays a lot of great courses here in Kansas, and uh, we're lucky to have him on. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Get Start. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks a lot. Have a great day, guys. Bye bye.